I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by Torkel Campbell of the fantastic band Stars, who are coming to play Dublin's Workmen's Club on the 27th of September of this year. Uh, Torkel, one of the last times, I'm sure it wasn't the last time you were in Dublin, uh, you played a DJ set of which I was a, a brief minor player and you opened up your set with the Pet Shop Boys West End Girls. I'm wondering in 2019, what are you opening a DJ set with these days? Oh, the Pet Shop Boys West End Girls, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it stays with you. I mean, yeah, some things never go out of style, Richie, as you know, and I think that jam is uh, is one of those things. I just, you know, it's it's one of those songs, it's like you can play Prince, you can play West End Girls, People get very picky when you DJ, so I try to stick to the classics. Otherwise, people start telling you they want to hear, you know, whatever, Ariana Grande. Well, yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you know. You, you know what I would start a DJ set with now? What? I would start it with um, something for the weekend by The Rhythm Method. Have you heard them? I, I don't think I have. Oh, they're a brilliant band from London. They're going to be opening for us at Scala in London. You should check them out. They have a new record out called uh, How Would You Know I Was Lonely. It's really, really good. I will. On, upon sort of a mixed, mixture between the streets and madness. It's upon, really fun. Upon your recommendation, I'm definitely going to check them out now. Uh, come here, awesome. th- this gig in Dublin in September, like I couldn't believe it when I saw it and uh, it just put years on me when it did that it's fif- <laughs> it's it's 15 years since Set Yourself yeah. on Fire was, was loosed upon the world. Can you yeah. believe it yourself and, and can you... Do you have some appreciation of how closely held that record still is to a lot of people? I really can't believe it. I mean, that's the strange nature of time, you know, is that it is an arrow. It seems to increase in speed and velocity the older you get. And, you know, we had a kid about 10 years ago. She just turned 10. And and I I feel like since we had a kid, it's just tripled the speed of time. Um, so it does seem strange that it was that long ago, but it, it, it also, I think, feels weird that it was that long ago because it stayed so current in our lives and in the lives of so many people. You know, the songs still seem to be capturing an audience and still seem to be very much a part of people's lives. And we still get so many requests to play this record. And so it seemed like a good round number to try and, and do it this year, you know, and celebrate the fact that it, it's still a record that seems to mean something to people, which is just incredibly lovely, you know, to have even one album that means something to people is amazing. And uh, and this one's been very good to us. It's kept us in business for a long time. So can, can you put it, your finger... We're, we're, we're looking forward to it. Can you put your finger on what it was that, you know, made that the one as it were because was was it second yeah. second or third album by that stage from yourselves yeah it was our third album by then i you know i think it was a confluence of events i think if you look at the the time around which it was released you know arcade the funeral came out arcade fires record and broken social scenes record came out metrics first record came out the deers no cities left and all of us were very close friends you know and all of us were were ready and were hungry and had good good work to put out into the world. And I think it also came along with the fact that arts and crafts and a bunch of indie labels in Canada started to get going around that time. And so suddenly there was a, an outlet through which to release music that previously you had to go to the, to the majors and kind of beg them to take a risk on you. Suddenly there were all these labels in town that were um, looking for you, were asking for you, you know, were, were reaching out for mis- music that was a little different. And so I think that that combination of the bands being ready and the labels suddenly appearing 
Um, and then the press picking it up, it's always a question of what people turn their gaze on, isn't it, ultimately? Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've been listening to the Fontaine's DC record, which is just brilliant. Um, but, you know, murder that the what is it? Murder City or murder what are those capital. guys called? Yeah, Murder Capital. They're just as good. Mm. I mean, they're fantastic as well. You know, and it's uh, it, it seems like there's a real moment in Dublin happening where people are picking up guitars again and getting angry. And, uh, and I, I think that that was just a moment in time where we all had a kind of similar sensibility and a vision of the world that was quite epic and quite hopeful in a kind of sad way, you know? <laughs> did, so people did, just seemed ready for it. Did you have any sense at that time that the focus was so keenly uh, on Canada and on that scene and around the bands that were in the I guess the ecosystem of arts and crafts, even if they weren't necessarily signed to them, was there a sense among you? Would we call them members of the Deers? We call them members of Broken Social Scene and going, "What's going on, lads? Everybody's like kind of paying attention to us now." Is this? We're yeah, not doing I remember. A, I remember a conversation walking along the. I have a very distinct memory of walking along the street in winter with Kevin Drew from Broken Social Scene. I can remember the snow crunching on our feet and him turning to me and saying, "Well, this is it, Torquay. Like, we made records and." people like them and now we're going to do this we're going to have a life in art like this is actually happening to us and i there was those occasional moments absolutely but you know i think that's part of the weirdness of life is that as things that are very momentous and and even sometimes very beautiful are happening to you you continue to get caught up in the minutiae of day-to-day existence and um, you know, it's like the great old quote by our boy John, you know, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. And I, I think that I do wish if I could go back and savor the whole thing a little bit more, I think I would, because, you know, it, it is such a rare and lucky thing to have the world turn its attention to you even for a moment. And I think at the time we were just working so hard and we weren't satisfied, you know, like that record for us, it, it wasn't good enough. We wanted to be better than that. And so when it came out, as, as you so often are, you're kind of in the headspace of like, okay, let's move on. The world is receiving it, but it's already a thing of the past for you. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So um, I, I, I do remember moments of feeling like this is really, you know, when we all got into Spin Magazine and they were drawing maps of like the bars we went to and stuff like that, which was just <laughs> hilarious, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, it, it, it's, um, I mean, it, to be honest with you, man, the more special, the more exciting, the more crazy aspect of life has been that after the noise, we survived, we kept our audience, we still kept making records, we still kept playing for people all over the world, and people still kept listening. And that has been a kind of slow miracle that's been happening for 20 years and continues to happen. And and it never ceases to amaze me. You know, every show I get up and think, Christ, how did we do this? It's quite bizarre. How has parenthood affected that? Because like you mentioned you had a kid 10 years ago. Like I, yeah. I we, we've three, our eldest is, is eight. And I know that life just completely turns on its axis. Uh, yeah. when, when you have kids, uh, trying to keep a band together and going out on the road and all that goes along with that as well. It's very difficult things and very disparate things and very different things to try and juggle all at once. Yeah. It is, but you know, everybody has that in life, right? I mean, if you're working as a, a night shift nurse, it ain't easy having three kids either and figuring out what the hell you're going to do with them. I, th- I, I think there's, there's a tendency to kind of give artists too much credit in a way and exoticize the job. Jobs are tough to do 
under most circumstances when you have kids. And uh, there's a hell of a lot more jobs that are much more difficult than the ones we do. And so I, when I feel that sense of being overwhelmed, I try to keep in mind that there are people with actual real jobs you know, <laughs> that have to do this as well. And I probably shouldn't grumble. I should mm. uh, be grateful. And, and, you know, we're also, we're a family band. Evan and Amy have kids as well. And we just pile on the bus. You know, we have always been a, a band that is, anybody's loved one can be on tour with us. Anybody who wants to get on the bus can get on the bus. And um, we've stayed open and loving towards each other and we take care of each other and we take care of each other's kids. And, and the kids are just now a part of the band. They're members of the band. You know, we think of them as members of the band. And so when we travel and when we do stuff, our first priority is to make sure that they're comfortable and that they're safe and that, things are good for them. But it I'm not going to lie. I think for Evan and Amy, because my wife isn't in the band. Mm. So when I go on tour, I have someone that will be with my kid. For Evan and Amy, it's a lot more complicated because when they go on tour, that's it. There's nobody there. So then they're asking a lot of relatives and they're asking a lot of people and they're asking a lot of their kids. So this time we just decided we're just going to get a double-decker bus and the whole damn family is going to pile in and we're going to drive around Europe and have fun. So. Yeah. We'll all be together. It will be simple. It always struck me about that cabal of bands that the atmosphere within each group, it seemed to be something, and I know you're probably going to dispute this uh, to a degree too because no band is devoid of it completely, but it seems to be one that doesn't necessarily lean all that heavily on ego. I think that that, you know, everyone's got an ego, obviously. Every, mm. every person has an ego and I think in order to make good art, you have to have an ego. You have to have a sense of your own mythology. But having said that, I do think that it's a uniquely loving group of people and that a lot of the reason that we've had a long life in the game is because we come with respect and we come with a good show and we don't act like we're something special. We act like the show is something special. Mm. And that is an ethos that is very deeply ingrained in us and in broken social scene and in the deers and in all those bands, because I think, you know, we weren't children when it happened. We were all in our late twenties, early thirties. It had, we'd already been banging away at it for 10 years. And so I think when it did happen for us, we weren't smug about it. We didn't feel entitled to it. We felt like we had earned it. And I think it was precious to us. And we, we, you know, we knew enough to know that, when you come into a building or when you deal with people, you travel all over the world, you're going to see those people again, you know? And um, I, I just think that the best rock shows and the best art is made when people come in a spirit of love and humility and togetherness. And when people start to act the rock star or place themselves in some kind of position of specialness, the whole thing takes on an air of stupidity, frankly, mm. because rock and roll is a very simple, dumb art form. The only thing that makes it profound is the love and the passion and the energy of the audience who's watching it. And, um, you know, that we keep that in mind. It's just paramount. In, in, in order to survive, you have to do it with love. With, There's no other way, really. Without wanting to generalize, it seems like it's a more of a Canadian sensibility than it would be a general North American one. I don't know if that's fair because... Canada Canada is such a vast country and there's so many different elements yeah. to it and all that kind of stuff but it does seem like as soon as you go north of that border things become a little bit more mentally open a little bit more caring and a little bit <laughs> you know nicer I, I funny people often say that and you know I'll dispute it I think America is the friendliest place on earth now 
that isn't to say there aren't 40 million lunatics there, because obviously there are. But Canadians are polite, but they're sometimes quite passive aggressive and can be quite unfriendly in a way, you know? Um, I mean, I think it's more, more to the point is that if you're in the game of like running a nightclub or if you're a roadie or if you're not going to get rich doing those things, <laughs> most people in the music industry for all the way from what you do to, to what I do are people who are doing it because they love music. You know, if they wanted to make millions of dollars, they'd go do something else probably. And so I think there's a shared love of something. And so you go into a situation and as long as you make that the priority, uh, it can be that way. I will say that I think in my experience, being a band in Britain, in Europe, in, uh, is considerably more competitive. I've always felt like bands that we've played with who are English or Irish or European uh, are much more protective of themselves. They, it feels like they have something to prove. And I think the business is a little more cruel over there. You know, you're up, you're down, you're in, you're out. And it happens very fast. And I think here, because of the vastness of the space, it takes a year to get an audience. You drive across this country, you know, it takes forever. So it doesn't spread like wildfire like it does in in Britain and Ireland. But And so that also means that people aren't quite as, um, there isn't that sense of like scrambling to keep your position, you know, which I think is very, and the, the British press especially really play that up. You know, the enemy really loves to have that power over people's careers and I'm not sure they do anymore, but you know, it's that thing of like this. Now these are the new Smiths. Now these are the new Smiths. Oh, this is the new, you know, it's always the hype is always sort of completely out of control. And I think it's slightly less like that here. And there's a comfort, I guess, in the position that you're in now and the stage you're in in your career that you don't necessarily have that. Yeah, we're not the new anything, are we? (laughs) Well, not not that. I don't don't mean it in a disparaging way, but you don't necessarily, you know the game and you don't necessarily have to play it as often and as in a, a contrived way as some younger bands may have to. I, I mean, we never really did because that was just not the mission. You know, Stars was a band that was very much made in the vein of a band like the Go-Betweens or A House. We wanted to be a cult band, you know? We didn't have... The name Stars is a joke. <laughs> I mean, it's like we wanted to be the opposite. And what we really wanted was to cultivate a relationship with listeners that lasted years. Um, and that's what we've managed to do. You know, we have a very uh, untrendy relationship with the people who love our music. They stick with us and they've grown up with us. You know, it, it, it's mind boggling how often after shows now, like a 30 year old will come up to me and say, I've been listening to you guys since I was 12. You know, it's just <laughs> unbelievable that that has happened and unbelievably gratifying. So I, it's, it's always been for us, you know, as, as much as the music is soft and, and melodic and in many ways unpunk, we are a punk band because punk means doing it yourself, doing it with love and not doing it uh, and doing it to, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but doing it in the name of overthrowing the filthy capitalist system. Right. So like that is that's our mission. We're here to, uh, you know make you dance, make you cry and overthrow capitalism. That's these are our three. These are the three jobs on hand. Stick that in a poster and you're going to get a load of people in the door, <laughs> a load of butts in seats. You mentioned that house there and you know they got together for something of a reunion this past I weekend did, here. And Micro Disney got yeah. together. I was crushed that I missed those shows because both those bands uh, 
but just huge for me. Absolutely really? huge. And that's why I'm so excited by Fontaine's DC because, you know, God bless Ireland. You guys can sure write words. And it is so amazing to hear a band that cares about what they're saying mm-hmm. and not just how it sounds, but what it means. And, uh, you know, our house and uh, micro Disney just, the, the music was gorgeous, but the lyrics were Kathy Coughlin's one of the greats, you know, he's just one of the great lyricists. And, uh, so it was nice to hear those guys got back together, but I wish they'd come to North America, both those bands. They should do it as a double act. That, I'd be there. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. We could send, uh, I've seen, what was it, Bell and Sebastian are putting on a cruise, I think, around Spain. Yeah. And they've got like, yeah, you know, the yeah. tango roped in, Camera Obscura and a bunch of other bands as well. We essentially yeah. could send a clatter of Irish bands from the 80s and early 90s on a massive oh my a, a liner that goes over to like Nova Scotia and comes back again. It, it could so be a good. whole... The Frank and Walters, Sultans of Ping FC, so many of them. This, this, so many great bands. The, uh, listen, my, me and you talk, we've come up with a fairly decent business idea uh, to keep us both <laughs> ticking over until we're 60. It's going to be fine. All right, let, let's chat. We'll do it. <laughs> I've got it. I've got it. I'm good on stuff. It. Uh, Career, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for taking time out to speak to us. It's the 27th it's of September. It's a great pleasure. Yeah, thank you. 27th, and we couldn't be more excited to be coming back yeah. to Dublin. It's always the highlight for us. And, that, psyched. and that's going to be my mum's birthday as well, so I'll see if she wants to come along. Oh, too. wonderful. There Wish her a happy one. I shall indeed. All right. Torkel Campbell, thank All you so best, much. Mate. Take care. Bye-bye. Pleasure.